Welcome to part three of our Georgia, Florida special on the Savage Pads podcast. As always, I'm your host, Doug Battle. And in this episode, McCole Hardman Jr. joins the show. Yes, you heard that right, folks. The man who has been lighting it up for the Kansas City Chiefs dynamic offense is joining us to discuss the chemistry he's built with NFL MVP Patrick Mahomes to break down the talented wide receivers who dog fans have only seen a glimpse of thus far and to detail what it will take for this Georgia team to get it together in Jacksonville, just like his Georgia team did a year ago. After the Dog Till I Die segment with McCall Hardman, Caleb Gwynn will return to the show for another pick six segment, which will end in an extra point where we will make a few predictions for Georgia, Florida. And I'm hearing there is a chance former Georgia player Jonah Gwynn will make an appearance as well for this one. We'll have to see. Now, before we kick off this episode, I want to tell you all about the Georgia Bulldogs who we partnered with to make it happen. Mama Jewel's Kitchen is a diamond-in-the-rough Southern Comfort restaurant located on Baxter Street in Athens, Georgia. Just imagine this. Hand-battered, perfectly fried chicken over fluffy waffles, topped with cinnamon pecan butter and served with warm syrup. And that's just one of the many delicious brunch entrees on their menu. Now mix that kind of homestyle deliciousness with the southern hospitality you would expect from a good grandma. That's Mama Jules. I'm telling you, the staff of this family-owned restaurant will have you feeling like family. The atmosphere will have you feeling at home. And the freshly made, never-frozen food will have you coming back for more. Oh, and you can because breakfast is served until 2 p.m. every day. Now, for my tailgaters listening to the show, Mama Jules has tailgate trays featuring their famous specialty biscuits, as well as homestyle spins on all the essential tailgate fixings. Check out their weekday, weekend, and tailgating tray menus on mamajuleskitchen.com and take a step inside Mama Jules Kitchen on Baxter Street for some sit-down Southern Comfort deliciousness. We've got a great show coming up. Stay tuned. Practice every day. Man, oh man, mono ain't mono. He, he definitely six hour reminds me and myself as close as we uh, have right now to rope on. When we scored, I honestly did not know where I was for about five seconds. Early on, you could see with Jake, you know, just like with Fran talking to. Maybe one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in the country. And we got to keep feeding the running back. I, I don't think we've yet to see the tight ends. I think Georgia does a great job of bringing pressure on third down. Turn around two weeks later in the SEC championship, we look like a completely different team, and we made them look like a completely different team. I mean, it's hard to get emotional thinking about it. And it was my job to kind of get outside the corner, and uh, as soon as I let it go, I knew it was good. From that point on, I kind of began the trust of Eric Murray as my quarterback. The team was just special. I was famous. He was onside. Everybody respects specs. That's what every Georgia fan should hinge their hopes on. Alabama and Georgia are the best two teams in the country. I feel like we are the true running back you. I have great confidence that we're going to see the personification of Georgia football. Welcome to the Savage Pads podcast. Former UGA wide receiver and current Kansas City Chief, McCole Hartman, is on the line. McCole, what's up? How you doing, man? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you joining us. Mm-hmm. And I want to begin by congratulating you on a great start to what we hope will be a long and illustrious NFL career. Mm-hmm. But before we get into your NFL career, 
I've got to ask, what was it like returning to Athens last weekend for the Georgia-Kentucky game? Oh, man, that was, uh, it was fun, actually. Um, just good to get back, man, um, get to the game. I know the weather was, like, bad, but um, that was yeah. good seeing the teammates, man, seeing Coach Marty Gans, seeing, you know, the um, staff and stuff like that. So it was all a good time. I enjoyed it, man, and um, hope I can go back to another game probably on bye weekend or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, can you tell our listeners what it's been like going from being on that sideline at Georgia to being on the field for the Chiefs in the NFL? What that transition's been like for you as far as the difficulty of it and the adjustments you've had to make? Well, I mean, um, definitely, you know, um, come from college to NFL, the changes in itself, you know, I think everything's faster. Uh, it's more detailed. But um, mm-hmm. but like I tell people, I think I think Georgia prepared me for um, for this level and um, they did a good job. I think Coach Martin and his staff did a great job of preparing all of us for this next level and um, preparing us for what we're going to um, face at this level. But um, I mean, it's definitely fun. I'm having fun out here with the Chiefs, man. Um, it's a great organization. Um, I love it. I love everybody here. And um, it was just, you know, just taking it day by day, having fun with it and um, just winning the games. Yeah, and um, what specifically at Georgia do you feel best prepared you for for the grind of the NFL and the success you've had with the Chiefs? Uh, just just our practices, uh, our fall camps, like what what Coach Smart put us through, like in the mm-hmm. off season, uh, you know, like in the spring, um, you know, even in the summer, like just how we how we work so hard and um, like conditioning wise, or like you know, just putting through things that like try to make us fail, like. You know, just just different things like that. Because um, when you get to the league, you know, uh, you know, training counts be hard. Um, and um, so if you ain't ever been to a place where like it was, you thought you couldn't go no more, and then like they just be hard for you, and um, mm-hmm. you have to adjust to it. But coming from Georgia, it's like you know, we we were doing it almost every practice or every every fall camp. It was hard, you know. So um, it definitely prepared you, you know. And um, so you know, I think just coach smart doing that just helps you overall in the league itself Mm -hmm. and it seems as though you've already built quite a bit of chemistry with Patrick Mahomes and that you've clearly picked up Andy Reid's playbook over there as a part of one of the most explosive offenses and really in NFL history what do you think sets Kansas City's offensive approach apart from other offenses you've been a part of um I guess uh I feel like the way we practice um Mm -hmm. The details, the details that we got, you know, but, you know, it's all to, you know, Coach Reed and his stuff too, though, because they, they got, they, they brilliant, you know, they, mm-hmm. they mindsets is, is, uh, is crazy, you know, the play they put together. And, um, so it's really traded out. Then when you go out there with the plays, that run our routes, you know, get open. And, um, that's also help when you got the best quarterback in the league as well with yeah. that. So, um, so, but yeah, it's really to Coach Reed and, and, and his staff, man. They, they come up with some crazy plays, man. And, they detail it up for us, you know. You know, we we focus in on the details, and we go out there and play. And, um, so we just go from there. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of Georgia fans would love to see Coach Coley adopt some of that that playbook uh, that that you guys are running over there in Kansas City. But I do want to talk about this current Georgia team, given that you've played with well over half the team's players. And I want to start with your position. With your departure, this Georgia offense has had to find slot production from a few less experienced receivers. And to be frank, with Georgia running a conservative scheme for the first half of the season, I think a lot of Georgia fans still don't really know what Demetrius Robertson and Kyrus Jackson are truly capable of. What can you tell dog fans about the skill sets that D-Rob and Kyrus bring to the slot? Uh, I think they're two different kind of you know uh, skill sets. You know, I think Kyrus is a, I think he, I think he's more powerful. He's a, he's a strong, 
strong receiver. You know, I think he can he, he can go in the block well. He can uh, he can get open. He can he can fight through contact. I think he more of, the, of that kind of receiver. And also, he got the uh, I kind of like the whole package kind of. You know, what I'm saying uh-huh. he, can, he can run he can run well. I think he got uh, good hands. And um, you know, but I think. He still got a lot of work to do too, as well. You know, a lot of improvement because you know it's really his first year really being in like that. And I ain't really watched that many of the games, so I don't know how how much PT he really getting. But I think he still he, he still can learn. I think D Rob it's really his first year playing as well. Um, you know, coming in and um, I think he more the speed guy that he really can take the top over the defense and um uh-huh. that he got good routes and he also got good hands too. But I think uh, with D Rob he just got to uh, play man and, and don't think about messing up. You know, and uh, just go out there and play. So. Um, it's probably about the difference between them two, though. Yeah, and as someone who played under James Coley when he held the title of wide receiver coach, how do you expect him to approach the Florida game as well as the remaining opponents on Georgia's 2019 schedule after quite a bit of criticism for a, a very conservative approach in the first half of the season? I mean, well, I mean, you guys just look at look at the situation he's in. You know, his first year, you know, he he come he's trying to you know pick up an offense that's really not the same offense as it was a year, two years ago, you know what I'm saying? So he got to figure out what he got, you know, he got to figure out what, what people can do um, with the ball in their hands. He got, he got to figure that out. You know what I'm saying? Cause the receiver core is general. I know you got Tyler Simmons, that's, that's a senior that's out there. Uh, Lawrence Cage, who never played in that offense before he came over, you know what I'm saying? And you got George Cooper, who's a freshman. He's just there, you know, dominant there. Like he just, he just got there, you know what I'm saying? So like, Reese, he ain't, he never, he never played on the field. You know, say Kiaris, he didn't play while he was there. So you got to think about the, the the youngness really in the room, or like the the inexperience in the room. Mm-hmm. So none of them guys really are experienced with the offense itself, and and what Coach Cole is looking for, or you know, or what what he's trying to do out of the receiver. So I think a lot of people got to understand, like them, them guys are still young; they still got to learn. Because when we first got in offense, we had to learn as well. You know what I'm saying? So you know, it's just like it's just all about a learning, a learning curve. So he might can't run plays that he could run. Me and Riley and Terry was there because we knew what to go on. You know, it's kind of it's kind of different. So he really mm-hmm. came into a hard position. But I mean, quite conservative. While I think I think he I think he's doing a good job with what he do. I think he, he calling the plays the right kind of plays is more about you know some some players got to make a play. You got to get mm-hmm. open. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like well. Jake got to take control of the offense. He's been there three years now, three year starter. So he he got to he got to take control of the offense and he got to demand the best from them guys. You know, and um. So, cause he got he working with a younger group. He's not working with a with a better a veteran group that don't need to be told to, uh you know to work harder or it's fourth down or it's third and ten. We gotta get get the sticks. Like, there's no if and a bust about it, you know. So he he gotta learn that he gotta he gotta um just demand more from the guy because he he know he got the backfield. You know the backfield always been great. You know he got Swiss and Bond. You know mm-hmm. and Zeus uh, Cook. They running the ball well. So you know. Um, you just gotta. He just gotta demand more from them guys, and you know, I demand more from them guys as well. You know, so. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, you know, them guys step up in, in the second second later half of the uh, season. So it'll be a big test, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. but hopefully, they can get get over their hump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we're quick to forget that you guys did have a very experienced group of receivers. So I do understand that that we're dealing with different players here, and also on the other side of the ball. But I do want to ask you going into that Florida game last year. Where did you guys feel like you had the greatest advantage as an offense, and where did you feel like you could expose them as a defense? Uh, when we came in, we knew we could run the ball. You know, I think yeah. I think every game we go in, we think we can run the ball on any team we play. So when last year we went to that game, we were like, we just going to establish a run, and you know, uh, what we going we going well, first was I think we going to like pass, get some quick passes off the to open up the run a little bit, and um, just let that Swift and, and Holyfield work, you know, and um. 
Uh, they they both had pretty good games. Um, JJ Holliman, he had a good game, you know, as well. When they um they started corner, got hurt. I think CJ Henderson got hurt or something like that. And the other corner came in. We decided we're going to attack him a little bit mm-hmm. on their right side, on our left side. You know, that's when JJ had a big two touchdowns. Right. And um and then you know we just next thing you know we got the ball rolling and and then we just went from there. So we uh, we kind of we kind of had a pretty good grasp on the game from the beginning. So. Mm-hmm. And last question for you, Nicole. Having been on the team that beat Florida last year with your backs against the wall following that LSU loss last year, what do you think it'll take for this Georgia team to bounce back from recent performances and play their best ball of the year against the hungry Florida Gators team as well as against the rest of their schedule this season? I mean, I hope it's a wake-up call, you know, um, especially after losing to South Carolina, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I hope they, they can wake up. You know, the Kentucky game was a wet game, man. It's a really a horrible condition to play in, mm-hmm. and, um, which, you know, um, that it's kind of hard for any team to throw the ball or anything like that. So, um, as you can see, Kentucky was struggling as well. So, um, but... I think I think it was a wicker call South Carolina game. I think they know what's ahead of them. I think Coach Smart definitely gonna prepare them for this for this uh, Florida game. Definitely on this bye week. Definitely gonna be a gonna be a physical practice, tough practices, long practices, and um. So I think they're gonna be ready. I think they're gonna be prepared. And um, but I just they know that if they want to get to the next championship, they gotta win out. So hopefully mm-hmm. that's in their head. No mistakes, you know. And um, we, we gotta we gotta play play our best ball to to get what they want to get to, you know. Because any other loss or anything like that, that's it's gonna kill their dream. Even even for the SEC championship, you know. So um, but they gotta they just gotta they gotta um they gotta bat that up and and just and get right and, and just know what's at stake. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we certainly hope to see them show up prepared and and show up ready to dominate the rest of the season because that is what it's going to take for them. But on Sunday, we'll be watching along with the rest of Dawn Nation as you and the Chiefs take on Green Bay. So we really appreciate you taking a moment out of your week to speak with us ahead of that. And uh, we wish you the best the rest of the season, Nicole. Yes, I appreciate it. All right. Caleb Gwynn is back. Caleb, what's up, man? It's Georgia, Florida week, man. Yes, it is. Big time. It's... It's like the whole season comes down to this every year, and it kind of feels all or nothing. Like, if if we don't win this game, it was kind of all a wash. Um, but if we do win this game, everything's in front of us. So it's a big one, and uh, we got to rest up this week and be on our A game as far as yelling at our TVs on Saturday because uh, that's an integral part of Georgia's success. It's, it's, weird. it's weird how at the beginning of the year I had such a confidence in what Georgia is or was going to be and such a lack of confidence in what Florida could be right. or would be. And it's weird how it doesn't matter really where you start out in the beginning of the season, you know, where you're ranked. It always seems like Georgia and Florida, they level out to be at the same. So Absolutely. it's just weird to think about, think about that. Absolutely. Yeah. I am kind of hopeful that Florida has peaked early and that Georgia is a little behind them and that they're going to peak at the right time. Because if we can peak from here through the rest of the season, we're in business. Because Florida started off terrible, and people forget that. Um, They were just awful against Miami and Kentucky. And Trask has really been the spark that that they needed. I don't know. they're, They're a different team now. So we will see. But before we get too much into that game, I do want to discuss... This week's pick six. So for the bye week, um, we had no extra point, and we got all the same games right and wrong because there was no tiebreaker. So on the season, I have 29 points. Caleb has 27. 
And this week, uh, we got some pretty good games coming up. First one I want to talk about is 14 Michigan at Maryland. This is the noon game. Michigan's coming off their beatdown of Notre Dame, um, which was the game we both missed. And after a red-hot start to the season, Maryland has lost five of their last six, but they're playing at home, and it's the noon game where it feels like there's always an upset. This could be that one. Caleb, who you got? Well, I mean, I was pretty impressed watching Michigan um, last weekend, at least with just how they handled Notre Dame. Um, mm-hmm. I still got to go with Michigan. I think yeah. Maryland um, is a fun team to watch. I love my guy, uh, McFarland. He was Anthony McFarland, baby. He is fast as lightning. He's a fun guy to watch. And I just remember him kind of being a huge dog fan and, and kind of yeah. wanting to come to Georgia and then going to Maryland. So I always like watching him. But anyway, mm-hmm. I think I think Michigan's a better team. Yeah, I really wanted him, and uh, you know we didn't get him. But I, I, you know, I've picked against Michigan every week, and I, I feel like now that I pick them, they're gonna go blow this game. But <laughs> I'm I'm going with Michigan also. So much more talented. But playing on the road at noon, I would say I'll keep my eye on that one. Uh, number twenty-two, Kansas State, coming off a big upset over Oklahoma. Don't know if you saw that one, Caleb, but it was a crazy game. And they're playing at Kansas. Kansas does not have a great record, but they've been competitive at times against teams like Texas. And Les Miles is still looking for that first signature victory. Could this be it, Caleb? I'm gonna. I don't have a, a large confidence in that, but I'm gonna go ahead and pick it. I'm gonna pick Kansas. Um, okay. Kansas State coming off that huge upset, and I did watch that. Doug, that was a that was a fun one to watch. Yeah. Um, but I think Kansas has it in them. I mean, when when they play, you know. Uh, competition they rise up to it it looks like and I think Les Miles is a pretty good coach and I think he can put together a pretty good game plan so I I like their chances on this one yeah Uh, I'm going with Kansas State I could see them falling after that big upset honestly a game they really had no business winning but it was really fun to watch them do it and and, I mean it looked like a ton of fun for the students and, and the players and just the whole university I'm going with Kansas State I think they win a close one here. Next game, number nine, Utah at Washington. Utah's one loss came to USC a month ago. They're coming off a 35-point shutout of Cal. They've pretty much dominated every opponent since that loss. Washington beat that same USC team that beat Utah, but they've lost games to opponents like Cal, Stanford, and most recently Oregon in a game that they easily could have won. These Pac-12 games are tough, and for me, they're the hardest ones to pick because all the Pac-12 teams seem to knock each other out of the playoff throughout the season. Number nine, Utah at Washington, Jacob Eason University. Caleb, what's your pick on this one? (laughs) I really want to pick Washington, um, but I'm going to stick with Utah. I want to pick my guy, Eason, but it just they lack the the consistency that Mm – I need for him, so I'm going to go with Utah, but I hope Washington wins. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I think I think I'm going to do it. I think this is going to be Eason's big win where he lights it up and wins a big game for Washington that officially knocks Utah out of things because like all those other Pac-12 teams have knocked each other out, and Utah is kind of the last one, so I could see this being the mm-hmm. last straw. I do agree. Washington has been very inconsistent when I've watched them, uh, but they're playing at home. I'm going with Washington. Go with my guy Jacob Eason. Next game, Jacob Eason, doppelganger, Justin Herbert 
for Oregon will play at USC. So number seven, Oregon at USC. Oregon's one loss was the season opener to Auburn, a game that they honestly should have won and would very much be in the playoff hunt if they had won it. USC has been Jekyll and Hyde. You know, they've won games like Stanford and Utah, and they've had tight battles with teams like Notre Dame and BYU, and then a double-digit loss to Washington. So kind of the classic Pac-12 inconsistency. This one's tough. Caleb, what you got? It is tough. I think Oregon um, is the better version of Washington, what Washington could be if they were Mm -hmm. more consistent. I think Oregon um, is a lot more sound of a team. Their defense is pretty fun to watch, fly Mm -hmm. all around the field. I think think they – think they pull this one out okay um yeah okay yeah i'm going with oregon jacob eason clone gonna do to to usc what jacob eason's gonna do to utah and next game this would be an upset alert game in my opinion ole miss at number 11 auburn auburn's defense looked good against lsu last week and ole miss has lost back-to-back close games to mizzou and Texas A&M. Now, Ole Miss, they're just one of those tricky teams in the SEC West where it feels like every other year they'll upset a team or play a team closer than they should, and um, they're not as bad as they were last year. So this one's tough. I'm going with Auburn. I think their defense is too good. And this season they've really beat up on the lesser opponents and then had a hard time against strong uh, strong defenses. And so I don't see Ole Miss as a team that's going to beat them. But crazier things have happened in the SEC West. Caleb, what's your pick on this one? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think this is maybe not an upset alert, but just mm-hmm. one you want to keep your eye on, like you were saying. But I, I still got to go with Auburn. I can't pick against them. I was pretty impressed with how they uh, played LSU in Death Valley. Um, I think they got it in them to mm-hmm. win big games. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully not against us. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I think we got to be on our A game for that game for mm-hmm. sure. But uh, I feel yeah, like Auburn will win this one. I feel like with the way Georgia and Auburn are playing, both really strong on defense and struggling on offense, if things stay the way they've been, that game's going to be like a thirteen to six like slugfest. Yeah. Um. Mm. Hopefully, we'll turn things around by then, and, and it'll be more like a like a thirty-five to six dogs. Right now, that one's looking like it'll be a close one. Number fifteen. SMU at 24 Memphis. We don't have to talk about this one too much because most people haven't watched these teams, but SMU is undefeated. Memphis has one loss, and that was on the road at Temple, sneaky Temple team. They're the ones that knocked off Maryland uh, when Maryland was so hot earlier in the season. So 15 SMU at 24 Memphis. Caleb, what's your pick? Um, I'm going to go with Memphis. Okay. I don't have a, a sound reason other than it's going to be at home. Okay, I am picking SMU because uh, they're undefeated, and I don't know, George Bush. So, extra point, <laughs> number eight, Georgia versus number six, Florida, of course. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party, which I believe I will not be attending this year. I feel like I do this sometimes, and then I end up going to the game like last minute, but I don't think I'm going, not official yet. I will be cheering just as hard um, from wherever I watch the game. Caleb, you want to do our, our numbers at the same time here, just so the world knows yeah, we're, let's do we're not it. copying each other? Okay, so it's going to be 3 yeah, two, one. There's, there's There's no way that we, we get the same answer on this one. I feel like this is – we just can't do it. So okay. I guess we'll see. All right, I'll say 3 two, one, and then we'll say the numbers, okay? 
Okay. All right. Three, two, one, 24 to 20. 31, 24. I don't know why you. it's always delayed for you, but we didn't say the same thing that time. What did you say? Uh, really. You said 31, 31 24. to 24. I'm assuming that's dogs. Yeah. Dogs on top. Yes. Yeah. Mine, man, part of me is like Florida's going to win this game. It's going to be like 24 to 13. That's like my alternate pick. Yeah. And I really wrestled on this one. I've just seen so many times, last year included, when Georgia goes into this game, backs against the wall, and they've really turned things on. 2012 is a great example. Mm. 2011 is a great example. And last year, as I mentioned before, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to see that. I don't think it's going to be an offensive shootout. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a change in overall philosophy um, based on the way Kirby has handled things in the past. But I think there's going to be enough minor improvements because these coaches know this game is very important not only for the season, which many marked as our year going into the season, but they know the importance of the game for recruiting and for the handle that we've had on the SEC East. The possibility of losing that to Florida is scary, um, but it also makes me think that we're going to be very, very focused, very, very well prepared, and finally play you know a, a more complete football game than what we've seen in, in previous weeks. Our defense has been good, and so I really think it's the offensive side of the ball that you know they've had two weeks to watch film and watch other teams even. And Kirby actually mentioned that uh, in his press conference that, you know, they take a look at, at what other teams are doing. And I think it's perfect timing to have a bye week right before this one. And I think we're going to see enough improvement for Georgia to put themselves in a position to win the East again. That's what I'm going with. But, oh, man, nightmare scenario is don't win this one. Things could get ugly very, very fast. Hmm. Yeah, I think – I think this is kind of the game where we have to pull out a lot of different things. And when I say different things, not a whole new scheme, but we just have to be more aggressive. I think, I Mm -hmm. think it's, I think it's time for us to pull out some of the things that maybe we've been hiding or or holding back. I think Kyle Trask is a good game manager. Yes. Um, And I I think Kirby knows how to line up defenses for the game managers um, that don't necessarily make the, the big plays putting pressure on them. I think our defense is going to win this one mm-hmm. by holding them in the fourth quarter. The big question for me is what our offense can do. Um, mm-hmm. I think that'll be telling of what what we really are um, offensively mm-hmm. this year against this defense. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. excited. So, I think we can do it. Yeah. Last year, every week we did bold predictions for games like this. And something that I just like feel coming – is I think our defense is going to make <laughs> what's up, Jonah? <laughs> Sorry, it might get a little rowdy out here. And uh former Georgia football player Jonah Gwynn joins the show. Joe, what are your thoughts on this game coming up? It's uh Georgia Florida week. Georgia Florida Week. Um I really wish I had some fantastic And there you have it, folks. Jonah Gwynn, thank you for joining the show, Jonah. Back to our segment. Yeah, bold prediction for this one. I feel like Aziz is going to make a play on defense, kind of like Jarvis Jones did in 2012. Oh, yeah. That that helped seal the game for us. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could just see it happening with Trask, uh, with the chaos we're trying to create and having two weeks to prep for that offense. Yeah. And offensively, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of the guys that has not been as involved as they should be get the ball more and make a play, whether it's Demetrius Robertson or James Cook. One of those two I could see us using. I know in the preseason they were talking about a, a wildcat offense with uh, James Cook that they had been practicing. We have not seen any of that. I don't think, except maybe that first game. I don't know. But uh, coming out of the bye week and, and with them having to make some adjustments given the uh, situation that they're in, wouldn't be surprised at all to see any of that. Yeah, I expect to see some change up like that. I think James Cook will have a big big role in this game. I think we've been holding him, holding him back a little bit this whole year for something possibly like this. Yeah, I hope, so, yeah, but I they, hope there's like some they, reason to it. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's why I'm saying it. So maybe I'll accidentally predict it, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think big defensive plays in the backfield, getting pressure on Trask is is the key. Yeah, but if we go out there and we run it up the middle every play, I've watched Florida's defense and I did not feel great about that. Nor do I against Auburn uh, with Derek yeah. Brown. So we'll see. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully there's prepared as you would expect for a team with the coaches and the kind of salaries they're getting. Uh, but we will see on Saturday. Caleb, as always, appreciate you joining the show with your expert analysis. Tell Jonah um, we also appreciate his contributions. <laughs> hey, go dogs, man. And um, I'll talk to you after we get the win on Saturday. All right. All right. Sounds good. See you, Caleb. See you. And that wraps up part three of Georgia Florida Week. If you haven't had a chance to listen to parts one and two, Patriots tight end Benjamin Watson and former Miami Dolphins tight end Arthur Lynch joined the show. Two of my favorites. Give them a listen. For those of you listening on your way to Florida or St. Simons, please drive safely and please be loud in Jacksonville for us. I'm not going to be there for the first time in like five years. So be loud for me. Stay tuned for our fourth and final Georgia, Florida episode coming later this week. Got another great interview that we're very excited about. So stay tuned. Go dogs.